It's the Jesus and Paula Show. Starring Jesus Christ and Paula Price. Tune in as we learn the mind of Christ and thoughts of God. Well, good evening and welcome to the Jesus and Paula Show. Are you steady? Are you ready? Are you good to go with God? Mm -hmm. Is the jury still out? Listen here. Last week, I'm still recovering from last week's Jesus and Paula Show. If you missed it, then you really missed it. But that's okay because it's still up there, at least for now, so that you can go watch last week's Jesus and Paula Show where Dr. Price lit it up about an hour into the show, actually an hour and 10 minutes, technically into the show. She goes, I mean, straight off from the throne of God. You can tell where the Lord is about our readiness and our attitude about where we aren't, where we think we should be. Many times, how many times do we walk around? Well, I should have been here by now. I should have been there by now. How many of us have done that? I should have. I should have, I should have, I should have, I should be, I, and then I put in this many years and this much time and, and anything, but in any career time served does not equate to promotion guaranteed or elevation or else eventually everybody would be the CEO. And that's just not possible. There are people, most people who stay at one level or one position in their career, their entire career or their entire life. And if you don't do what is required to elevate and be promoted, then you won't be. And so she, I mean, laid it down. We're going to go to an instant replay in just a moment from last week. So get your water, get your slap cloth get your resuscitator, hang on to your friends who can, you know, pick you up when you fall over. If Prophet CT's watching, he's probably going to flatline again and again and again at the instant replay, share with your friends and tell them we need to go back and watch. You're not steady because you're not ready or you're not ready because you're not steady. I think that's what we call it. You're not ready because you're not steady. Game changer. It's a game changer. And if you're somebody who really wants to do right by the Lord, you want to do right by your career in ministry, your calling, then you will humble yourself, not just in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. The word talks about when you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he will lift you up. If God has not elevated you to any particular position, there is always a reason. That reason could be you're not ready. That reason could be the world is not ready. It's not time yet. We have a chronic case of, are we there yet? <laughs> it's like, as kids, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? Am I there yet? Am I there yet? Is it my turn yet? Is it my turn yet? Uh, is it me yet? Is it me yet? And we have this from the beginning. Because really, we've been taught in ministry, it's rapid fire. You say these things, oh, please, and let us not bypass the all-important. You need to have everybody anoint you, everybody in power, everybody in position. Well, Oral laid hands on me. Hagen laid hands on me. Moses laid hands on me. You went and got Moses, huh? Everybody laid hands on you, and so you should be at the top by now. Well, Samuel laid hands on David, and it took him almost 20 years of battle warfare and opposition and David not quitting in any of it for him to begin his very difficult reign. That's what it took for him to actually get into a piece of his seat, 
Not even the whole thing. Then he had to war and fight and then unite the nature, okay? And then there was always somebody trying to take him out all the way down to his kids, which he kind of earned, but still all the way down to his children. And 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 so we walk around really with a finger snap, uh, super anointing, microwave mentality of readiness. Well, how long is it going to take me? Well, how long am I going? If you start asking for the point of quitting and you have not produced for God. See, it's also about what you are set on the planet to produce, what you are put on the planet to nurture, mature, raise up, lay down. I'm looking at what Dr. Price has done, how many years it has taken her to get it out. And guess what, y'all? She is still getting it out. She's working on like three books right now. She's about to flip this whole prophetic institution on its ear. And I'm excited to watch it happen. And people were not chasing it the way they will now because they're afraid. The mess that we're about to see in the prophetic side of the kingdom is going to be frightening. We're going to say, how did this happen? And how did these people get this level? And why didn't any, this is when we start asking questions that nobody wanted to hear before. Well, why didn't anybody stop them? Right, Prophet Angel? Well, how come? And what was, oh, please, you mean all the conferences you went to? And when people did tell you the truth, you didn't want to hear it. People don't want to hear. It takes an exceptional person to see the truth beyond the heyday. To see the truth beyond somebody's pinnacle of their career. It takes insight and, and uh, discerning of spirits. Like we talk about all these things. Like it's only in the prayer line, don't we? Oh, y'all have discerning of spirits. They have a demon. Listen, you can just probably throw that out there and be right every three times just because it's life under the sun. They have a demon. Sure. Okay, this is why we need Jesus. People have devils, demons, addictions. That actually is not real insight into the body of Christ. But being able to see somebody on the rise and say they're not going to last. They're going to fall after so many times. I can listen to a worship album. I can see a worship leader and say they're going to fall. They have two albums in them to give to God, and that's it. This first one, that's all they have. No, no, you're just saying, you don't understand it. I don't fight. I don't argue because there's no point in arguing the prophetic if it hasn't happened. (laughs) You're you're still arguing what has not happened. Once it happens, you know, you were right. I know. Yeah. How did you see that? How did you know? Well, it takes training. And it really takes not being so enamored and caught up in the river of public opinion that God can't speak to you his truth. He can't show you his because we're always all about it's your personal truth. It's your personal truth. Apostles and prophets are about God's truth. Let God be true. See, that's the only truth we should be concerned about. So when everything looks like that word is wrong, when everything to the contrary is showing up, like I said the other week, a rebel always looks right in the beginning of their rebellion. They usually have money backing them, numbers backing them, popular opinion backing them, but God isn't. And it can look like God is because people who say they serve the Lord are with that person. Sometimes people are deceived. Other times they're willingly overlooking and, well, you know, who am I to judge? And I'm not the one to say. How many people have we seen who've done terrible things in the body of Christ? Like Saul in scripture, King Saul. Well, the people closest to him knew he was crazy. 
because the people closest to any leader know who they really are. That's who really knows. That's why when things go down, the people closest to them are not in shock. They're not surprised. They're not whatever. Many times they start to see who you have to look at is who's backing away now from leaders, who's separating themselves now from leaders, who's who's uh, bowing out all respectfully and whatever. I'm to Adonijah. I'm tipping out the door. Uh-oh, the sound has gone out from the palace that the king has been named, and it's not you. I don't want to be counted as a traitor for being here with you when the king has just announced the actual successor. And they start tipping out before heads start rolling. <clears throat> and so that's what we're going to see now in the body of Christ. But let's go back to this flashback. Oh, one more thing. This weekend is also church anniversary at the Congregation of the Mighty. Yay! 23 years. She started in 1999, 23, I think. Or was the church started in 2020? Anyway, 23 years uh, as the Congregation of the Mighty and, and all the names that we've had before, which actually have not been that many. But uh, in our life and elevation, anytime God elevates you or promotes you, he changes your name somewhere. He'll change your name. Promotion, elevation, you'll, he'll change your title in life. You get a promotion. Oh, hey, Joe. Actually, it's Joseph now. Like people that you grow up with, everybody called you by the nickname. And then when you start seeing them on social media, it's their proper first name. And, and they started once they went to college and post-college. Don't call me Nikki. Call me Nicole. Don't call me Joey. Call me, don't call me Tony. Call me Anthony. Don't call me KK. Call me Catherine. You know, and it's like, oh. This is my adult name now. All that childhood stuff was cute and fine and still okay for people who knew me when. But at this level of my life, this is how I'm being addressed. And, of course, if you get married, your name will probably change. If you get promoted, um, if you get a doctorate or become a medical doctor, then it's, oh, hey, Mr. So-and-so. Actually, it's Dr. So-and-so now. Oh, hey, Mrs. So-and-so, it's it's doctor. Oh, oh, my. And then you, you notice people just kind of straighten up to your title whatever that is. And so God will elevate you and change the name of you, your organization to fit where you are now. We've gone from, let me think, Everlasting Life Ministries, the church was always New Creation Worship Assembly, to the Congregation of the Mighty. And with Dr. Price's elevation, elevated the church and the name to to uh, also reflect and suit who we are right now. I love telling people, what church do you go to? I go to the Congregation of the Mighty. Oh, that sounds good. I might have to visit that just because of the name. That's, huh. Wow, that's, that's strong because we are strong. That's powerful because we are powerful. And if you want to be powerful too, come on over to the Congregation of the Mighty where God stands. All right. And so this weekend is our church anniversary. Apostle Stephen Holt will be in the house. Hallelujah. Saturday, we whipped up something for everybody. Actually, we didn't whip anything up. Somebody else did. We're going to Incredible Pizza in the afternoon. And all that information is going out today um, about that. And, you know, we all kind of get a break and play on our church anniversary weekend. All right. We all do. So let's take an instant replay of last week's segment on Steady and Ready. Lord help. I know, I mean, you got all of these brothers walking around feeling bad for Joseph. Joseph is ecstatic. 
because he's gotten a divine assignment because angels showed up. See, the angel showed up to Zechariah. That angel showed up to Mary. That angel showed up to Joseph because this campaign, this venture for the Godhead was too fragile and it was really too significant for them to him to wrestle back and forth with their faith let me tell you something when god gets ready to use you he locks your faith into his faith you can't handle a question nobody can move your mind nobody can move your soul and when he locks it he doesn't just lock it on your will he locks it according to his steely will and all and he lets you know he brings that thing together he gives you all kind of, of, of god signs uh, you like joseph Joseph got a vision, all right? Uh, he got a vision of an angel. But see, Mary's the one that has to carry this thing. So I need to send Gabriel so that that girl will know you are carrying the Messiah. And he wanted to make sure that she could relive that moment when people called her a whore, when people wanted to cast her out. She had to make sure she could relive that moment. So God, when God gets ready to use you, he has these moments and you keep and you relive them and they they become the, the nexus of your faith. They become the fabric of your standing and your endurance. And as long as you got questions, your time is not now, because when God is ready, you have no questions because you see yourself as the answer. To you, all of those questions back and forth, I'm not sure, is because you are either not chosen or you're not ready and your faith is frozen. Because when God gets by, he sends the fire of the Holy Ghost and that Holy Ghost grips you with the same visions that God has. You no longer see your calling as man sees it. You no longer see what you're called to do in your trials as something horrible has happened. You understand that you're caught in the grip of something that's beyond cosmic, that of the divine realm of God. And I want you to understand, nobody can shake you. When you get shaken, that's because you're not finished being made. You're still in the making. Because let me tell you something. No, you can hear crazy and the devils can thought project all day long. You don't care. Your family cannot like it. You don't care. Your daddy, your mama, they can call you stupid, but you have been with the most high and you have been in God's face and God has told you and showed you and let you know you are part of this huge machine that's going to roll out this miracle that's going to save the world. He will save his people from their sins. And I'm telling you, all of y'all back and forth and all of that is because you're not ready. Because if you were ready, you'd be steady. And it doesn't make a difference whether it's called to preach, called to war. Gideon called to war. God gave him visions. He gave him signs. He told him, and then God let, let him be overheard and gave him everything. Okay, so if, if, if the fleece get wet, then I'll know. Uh -uh. He gave him all of that. Why? Because his family was a chief family, and his father was going to crush him if he was going to move his father's empire. If God wants you to do something that is that anomalous, you need to rest assured he's going to visit you. Angels are going to talk to you, whether they talk in your sleep or they show up like Mary. If it's if you've got something as massive as Mary, 
I want you to understand that, let me tell you, you're going to get the visitation of a lifetime because God's got to make it so. God had to get Moses ready. He could not continue to talk to Moses incognito. He couldn't continue to talk to him from behind the veil. Moses says, show me your glory. If you want me to do this, I need to know your glory. Why? Because he was raised in Egypt where everything was a God and every God had something to do and they all had promises. And he's like, okay, so now I got to do all of this. So I did this. And he's thinking, I did this one little thing. I should be done. And God said, Oh, no, no, we're getting started. We're just getting started. We are just getting started. And then what does he do? God does with him. I'm saying something to somebody right now. Today, I'm saying something. I'm telling you, God took him to the mountaintop and showed him all of the power of the God realm. See, God has to bring you into the God realm. He's got to bring you into the God head realm, not just any God, the fallen God. He's got to bring you into the God head realm. And he took him up there and Moses said, oh, whoa, this is, oh, so this is what you look like. He went from, I'll only show you my back parts to sitting in his face for 40 days. I want to tell you somebody today, if you are ready, you'd be steady. And if you're unsteady, it's because you're not ready. You're still charging God with evil. You're still complaining and criticizing. You're still challenging his power. You're still challenging his faith. You're still challenging his righteousness. You're condemning him for all your flaws. You're condemning him for your failures. You're charging God with evil and you still want to talk about use me Lord God can't use you as anything but refuse I'm telling you you're you're not steady because you're not ready I feel like we need to take a commercial break okay to recover to steady ourselves Lord Jesus Speaking of readying, and and I can push these buttons. Speaking of readying, we're rolling out today a new course from Dr. Price on her Paula Price Powertrain site. Um, And it is uh, called From Leadership Fascination to Adaptation. And she taught this in-house this month in our leadership training. It has changed our lives. How many of your lives were changed by that? Yes, we have the studio audience. Well, in the studio. And uh, she broke down the difference between being fascinated with leadership because, see, we start out being fascinated with what we see. That is what motivates us. But sometimes your motivation can go to a fascination. And you have to make sure that you have not slidden into a fascination instead of motivation. And so it's from uh, position fascination to adaptation. It's a five-part video training. It's only $75. And it is also connected with a kingdom leadership training that Dr. Price did with us a few years ago. It was actually the NEAR Collective. Those who are part of NEAR had the opportunity to be a part of that. It was a Saturday leadership. It was all virtual online. And she broke down several things. And she started with the importance also of writing your vision and what you're supposed to do with that and making it plain. So the kingdom leadership is connecting you with the mind of a king since we serve the king of kings, which means very little in the U.S. of A, because we have presidents that we vote in and vote out and you know, impeach and try and impeach and triple impeach and can't really impeach and and do all these things that we do by our own preference or our own will. 
manipulating the law as we see fit and all kinds of things. But you don't do that with a king. You don't do that with a queen, with a monarch. And so this session is really, really important. Uh, there's a short clip in the beginning, a short segment with the worksheet that Dr. Price handed out. And I really hope all of our leaders are working on it themselves because at the top of next month, I'm going to be reviewing with our our uh, you know roundtable leadership level of leaders your plan of implementation. We had a worksheet that we handed out and you were to break down a few points here and a few points there and how you plan on implementing and doing your assignment. Well, that's also a part of this teaching and training. So the first clip addresses are leaders taught or made? Are they taught or are they born, I should say? And um, we break down and review the difference between the two. Dr. Price has addressed it on the show. She broke it down in a previous leadership training. And then we have a worksheet that we worked on. And she came out and taught and taught and just, you know, taught us under the table, of course. And if you're serious about leadership, and I want to challenge any minister who has not had a leadership class to take this class. It helps if you're leading people to have leadership training. Not just leadership, exposure or experience. Exposure and experience are not training. I will say that again. I have a a professor who used to teach at ORU. She became the chairperson of the department. And she used to say, she used to slide her glasses down. I'll say that again. Exposure is not training. Influence is not training. Observation is not training. Self-taught is not training. Dr. Price addressed this with somebody yesterday. Self-taught, you like you, or maybe you are exceptionally hard on you. Either way, it doesn't really help. Because when you get something, like we're very, people sometimes wear a badge of honor, like when they say, I'm just so hard on myself. And sometimes that's to stop you from being hard on them. (laughs) But it's like a badge of honor. I'm just hard on myself. But that still doesn't mean your evaluation is accurate any more than the person who's easy on themselves. It doesn't mean that their evaluation is accurate of themselves. So somebody saying, well, I'm just so hard on myself already actually does not mean that you are accurately assessing where you are, what you face, and how you should take the lead. It really isn't how, how you do that. So the training program is objective. It's not subjective. It, it's separate. It's devoid of emotional attachment. Our, um, you know, Price University with our courses and classes, we, we have them set up to where it's not about our personal opinion of your homework. It's did you follow the objectives outlined in the syllabus? It's not, well, Apostle Ashley, you, you know, you failed my assignment because you don't like me. No, I may not like you, but like your homework, <laughs> you might be quite unlikable, but produce great work. <laughs> okay. Your attitude is a matter of another class. It's a matter of an advisement on certain things. But wow, this, I mean, we have had some problematic people over the years produce the best grades. But that soul wasn't converted, which is why our program deals with the academia and the soul. Because you can be a rock star on paper and a destroyer in life. And completely almost be like to where you see what somebody wrote and then you see who they are and you say, did they really do this homework? Let me ask them some questions. Let me see what's going on. Hmm. And likewise, you can look at somebody who does not have the demeanor of what we think something is, but man, is it on the inside of them? And you need to bring it out. 
So work with us on this. Enroll in this class. It is amazing. Going back through information, statistically speaking, you never get everything the first time. We learned this. You don't. The first time you sit in anything, I mean, just going back, when I listen, I've listened to this segment of the show like three times this week. I listened to it, I think, Sunday before church. I listened to it last Friday before work. I'm thinking, this has got to minister to me again to answer those questions of readiness. Why am I not ready? So now you sit down and you say, where am I unsteady? Where am I unready? Where am I unsteady? And what do I need to do to ready and steady myself? That's a point of assessing, assessing. And that's why you subject yourself to other tools and, and, and um, other resources to sharpen your skills. So visit that. Our soul course is also still up there. Very successful for sure. The most successful one that's up there is the soul one. And now leadership tonight is available for you to enroll. You have 45 days of access from the time you first access the course, not from the time you pay for it, but from the first time you log into it. So you can pay today and then start going through it next week. And then your days start counting 45 days. When your 45 days are up, if you have not finished what you wanted to, don't reach out to me. Just pay again. Apostle Ashley, my life got crazy, and I I understand. Isn't that something? But it's still here if you want to purchase it again. Because when you miss school and you miss that semester and you don't finish, you can't come in at the next semester at the point in which you dropped out. You have to start at the beginning of that course all over again. Anybody ever have to do that? It's painful reality. That's why you're slow to quit because you're like, oh, but restarting again. Do I want to restart from the beginning? Do I want to restart from where do we start from? And it's like, "Mm mm-hmm. Think about that. So you can go back and re-enroll at any time. There's also video on demand uh, classes up there one time. Will you see them? You can watch them more than once. You'll have a few days access, but this is 45-day access to it. There's a lot going on in the body of Christ. There's a lot of pressure right now to um, be ready. You can tell that the frame of mind that God is in is not one that we're familiar with in our era. This, this This is, is anybody else noticing that different side of God's temperament and his attitude has shifted. He's, um, you know, we're really like that Solomon era. We came up under the goodness of God. And in his mind, I mean, he's always good. But the sweetness, the, the sweet, the sweetness in the kingdom and just blessings flowing, money flowing. I mean, I was raised up on prosperity doctrine and all kinds of things rolling. And, and now when we see where all of that fell short and the fallout from it, God is in a different posture. And you can tell because his leaders are in a different posture. It's like, for example, if the family is living very affluently and then they start having money problems and issues and that money's getting tight, all of a sudden mom and dad get real serious in the house. We're going to have to start cutting back. We're going to have to start doing whatever. And yes, we're still going to, well, instead of going on a world world tour vacation, we're going to do a staycation. We're going to tour the city zoo, all right? The state parks, the state fair. We're going to keep it local, still have fun, still do whatever, but um, nowhere near to that level of extravagance. And and we're so accustomed to having an extravagant overtone in the body of Christ. But the Lord is like, it's time to go to battle. 
There's a somber sobriety that comes over a nation when it's in warfare, even if that war is not on your land. You know that your family members are overseas in battle. Uh, you know they may not come home. Uh, it starts to affect the economy here and, and other things. Or if it is, if war is at your gates, in your gates, in your hometown, it's a completely different attitude. And God is in that posture right now. And we know because even as apostles and prophets, it's safe to say God isn't playing with us. He is not playing the training programs, even how we're training up the next levels. He isn't playing with that. There was a level of flexibility and understanding and we'll pray you through that you have before. But when you're in the trenches of warfare, you're like, you better get up. Okay, I mean, you know, you're like, if you don't get up out of this trench, and if you pick up your weapon and let's go, we're gonna deal with your paper cut later. Assuming you'll still have a hand, you keep acting like this. Come on, now we have bigger things to fight, and God is like majoring on the minors is not where he is as far as our petty things. But he is focusing on the little things, the small things, the minor things with our character, with our thoughts, with our intents. All those scriptures that we love to preach at other people have now come to us for such a time as this. And that's not, everything just sounds romantic in scripture. And it's just wonderful. He has raised you up. Prophet Andrew, for such a time as this. Apostle Sally is for such a time as this. And you're like, Lord. But she was knocking her knees at that idea. Because it could be off with your head. Now, it wasn't. You know, if I perish, I perish. She didn't. But the possibility was there. Last night, we were in Gideon. We were talking about this in youth group. And how at the end of the, the battle, they didn't have to fight because they obeyed God. The 300 look like, I mean, just superheroes, rock stars. And the other 30 plus thousands like, hmm, sorry, guys. And they all looked right in mass when they walked away. But once the battle was won and the enemy took themselves out, it was that which remained that was like, oh, so you were the ones who really heard from God. And it takes somebody who really hears from God to not follow the masses when it looks obvious that the mass, the mass choice looks obvious and looks right. <sighs> no point being an apostle or prophet if God can't speak to you beyond the obvious. I mean, why need the prophetic if we're going to ride on obvious? Right, Dr. Price? I'm trying to find out. I, I think I'm... Oh, okay. Well, listen, she's pulling, she's pulling out her brilliance. And we're going to go to a break. So let's look at the promo that we did last week. Is it pulled up for no? Because it was okay. All right, then we're going to uh, play something else. We're just going to give you insight into what's going on in our organization. We want you to plug in and tune in to the world of Dr. Paula Price. We'll be right back after this message. <laughs> Because counselors can be very helpful in helping you see the blind spots of the of you that you hate. We all have them, but so you you have things that you hate doing, and yet they are why they're why you're in the planet. So you're trashing all the reasons that God made you and all of the attributes and 
talents that he gave you, you're trashing that because of you're appropriating someone else. And the scripture has a four-letter word for that called envy. Because you don't feel good about you, you know, um, because, well, that's, that's Satan's world. It's up to you to rise above his world. You, as many people aspire to lead because it's a fascination. They're fascinated with what they see, but they're operating on just the visuals. Why? People just obey so-and-so. Oh, look, I, they get to sit in the front. And so you're always operating on the visuals and not the reality. Like, what does it cost for somebody to be trusted to that point? You don't even think about being trusted as a leader. You just want to be appointed. Everybody has their place. Every, what is what God said, every member gets to do their share. But so let's move on. Effectively, the treatments in this process blend the cognitive and effective domains so they infuse learners with the practicalities of prudent leadership, not just give me a chance leadership. Because if you want someone to put you in leadership just to give you a chance, then you, you plan to operate on pity or deceit. So you don't realize it. So opinions become intelligence. And, and don't dare try to refute it because now you're going to get the lashing of the defense network. The reactionary defense is going to lash out at you from a tongue that can't spell. And a mind that can't think. So you all are always fighting with God and then you're mad because his promises are held up. God's like, I'm not late. But you are. So you don't know who God has coming down the pike in your life who cannot tolerate and who will pass you by because of something he's trying to fix. Introducing new training options from Dr. Paula Price Powertrain. Become the most successful you by enrolling in self-paced training modules. Let's take a sneak peek. Okay, the whole purpose of Soul Sunday is for you to take control and power over your own soul. The whole trend of the world, the, the st stance of the world is that you can't help how you feel. You cannot help how your soul is. You can't help what happens to you. As a matter of fact, you are a victim of your own soul. Isn't that how we hear it? You go to school and you, most of you will tell your children, wow, you better get A's all the time. And then, well, he can't help it. He has his, he got his temper from his grandfather. She's got her, her, you know, personality from, and, and so, we have to realize that that is not how God teaches the soul. You have to recognize that your talent is only the utility of your soul's success. So all of your talents and attributes, those are the utilities. They're the tools of the trade, but they're utilities. And so, but what holds them together? You have to build that. Because if you don't, if you're one of those people, you're thin-skinned, your feelings get hurt all the time, 
you're not going to make it. You can't rise above your sentiments, not going to make it. You just won't because your soul is looking for a comfort zone that success won't allow. Isn't that right? It's always looking for a comfort zone. It's looking for a reward. I talked to a woman one day and she said, oh, no, I have to be asleep by eight. I said, good, because you'll never, ever own anything. <laughs> because you can't do it. I mean, and, and really, if you sleep by nine, you're probably not even doing housework. Like you're not doing laundry. You're not cleaning up. Dishes are dirty. Haven't emptied the dishwasher in three days. I mean, come on. Because, see, life, life is meant to move, and it's an activity. So soul of success would be that. You don't like pressure. I don't want to be, be relied on to do it nonstop. I don't want to have to stay up late. I don't want to be around people that I don't click with. See, that's why some of y'all stuck, too, because y'all so a bit worried about who you can click with. You're not trying to figure out who you can prosper with. Let me tell you, there are a lot of partners out there. There are a lot of people out there that those partners can't stand each other. And you know what? They don't care. They both go to their separate banks and cash in. You all are too, literally, you're too aesthetic. You are to you. If I don't, if, if, I mean, I have to be able to connect with people I work with. That is such a lie. You work for a company, you don't know half of them. And the other half don't like you, don't, and you don't like them. Enroll in the Soul Clinic today at www.drpaulapricepowertrain.com. <laughs> well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good Wednesday, good Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Do you understand I'm calling goodness in your days? And I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm excited today. Welcome to the Jesus and Paula show starring Jesus Christ and Paula Price. I put myself last since I want him to do all of the heavy lifting. So if he has to do all the heavy lifting, I think I could, at least I could do is put his name first and give him top billing. Hmm. And uh, we've been on a journey and the journey has been the prophecy clinic. In the midst of it, I've developed some amazing tools that you'll be hearing about when you are involved in our prophecy manifestation clinic work tech class. So I've developed these prophecy work tech manuals that you will be able to become masters. Now, why am I saying that? Why is that a big deal? Well, yesterday, and I, I know some of you all might have seen it, you know, the witches are having a national convention tour. And all we do as saints is say, hey, the witches are coming, the witches are coming, woo, what are we going to do? Take cover. <laughs> because nobody is strategizing a counter plan. Nobody's counteracting that because we have been convinced that witches sit above saints. And they don't. They illegally exalt themselves. But all power has been given unto us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We tread on serpents and scorpions. We tread on them. Now, they're either a serpent or a scorpion. That's just how that works. 
We have been given power over all the power of the dark of darkness. That's important. And yet we have gotten to the point that we our war weary predecessors no longer want to wrestle with you know principalities and powers. They want to get on go on vacation. So they laying out on some Caribbean vacation, living in their, their retirement home. Meanwhile, the effects of their service is that witches are holding a national tour. You do the math. So in God's time, in the Bible, where people just tossed it aside, in the Bible, God never, ever let witches reign, ever. And he stopped them with prophets. So do you see now why it's important for the prophets to be discredited? Do you understand now why we had all of these children and these unlearned, unsophisticated, untrained, untamed prophets pretending to be the word of the Lord, the voice of God? Do you see now why that happened? Because now they have a clean sweep. Nobody's standing in the way. Because what are we going to do? I mean, what do you do? We already prophesied. Well, that's because we started this thing off on a misdefinition. Prophets and the prophetic did not start off with prophecy in that classic sense. So the official prophet did not start out prophesying. If you look at Jeremiah 1, he did not start out prophesying. He started out hearing, listening, and learning from God. So here we are. About to, um, and, and, and of course, they, they, they timed it for October, and we're the prophets scrapping like, like very childish, inept street thugs. Or off in the wild blue yonder calling for the apocalypse. Or they're just floating in the future or refining predictions that didn't turn out right. That's our state of affairs, and we need to have a whole session on the prophetic's state of affairs because it's a state agency. It is the National Divine Communications Agency of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the International Divine Communications Media of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need a state of the prophet's affairs because we need to find out how God is standing there on a battlefield as a general without an army. How Jesus is standing there, him and the angels. Okay, so which, what humans? We, well, you know, they didn't show up. Well, you know, they have meetings. Well, you know, they have family. Well, you know, they have children. Well, in a minute, it won't matter. What you have won't matter if we don't do something about this. And so you have all these pastors who have maligned the prophets, who have misjudged prophets, who've taken and assumed superintendency over a mantle that, that they did not exist when it was functioning. We have a lot of work to do. Let's see what we're going to do about it. And part of it has to do, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's go back to the misdefinition. And then let's go back to the misqualifications and the, the errant criteria and, and the measurements that we don't even know what they are. How, you, how do you measure an anointing? That's like pouring water on the floor and just watching it spread and say, I'm going to measure it as it spreads. You, in order for you to measure what's in a bottle, you have to put it in a bottle. You have to size and you have to shape the bottle. You have to give the parameters and the, the potential. We don't do that. 
Your people are mad with the prophets because they've been out there like like really pathetic cloudbursts, sprinkling and spraying everywhere, darkening and overshadowing everything and not pouring out enough to give fruit in the earth. But I will say to you, and I will continue to say it, and since I am the author of the first uh, prophet's dictionary and the first major text on the prophetic constructing the contemporary prophet, and I did the research and I did the study and I did the practicum. Trust me, all of this was practical. Praise him for the practicum. And I will tell you, God starts everything with a prophet and he started civilization with his prophet. You're talking about prophets that couldn't even discern witchcraft in the 21st century. And you want to tell us you big because they gave you the mic. I understand why they took them off television, because you know what? That's their job. Their job is to guard the public. So until they can get it right, they're not going to have it at all. Why? Because if, when you think about it, when the government comes in and shuts into a neighborhood and finds out a school is dangerous, they shut it down. They reassign, relocate the teachers, the whole staff. When the fire department comes in and finds out that there is some problems or some potential risk, they shut it down. Now, I don't agree with how it's done, but then I don't know enough to disagree. But what I do know is that God has been thinning the herd on purpose because the herd is not helping him. Prophets have got to be subjected to God's spirit and the Holy Ghost is the superintendent and steward over the prophetic. And we don't, they don't even talk about the Holy Ghost. And when they do, they come up with some sort of spiritual thing. We had a meeting yesterday, Apostle Ash, you will remember, we had a meeting yesterday because, you know, we do these assessments and we, uh, we have, you know, I don't even know, dozens and dozens and dozens, not hundreds and hundreds of assessments. And we do a statistical analysis and we found the things that the church, the, if we're talking about a state of the affairs, we found the deficits of the church and what got us here. For example, we found that they don't know what in the assessment. What is the, and Chief, you can chime in because you also do them as well. What are, yeah, what are the major deficits of the body of Christ today based on the statistical results of those who took our assessments? A, they don't know the Bible. Not affected by leadership. Not affected by leadership. Anything else? Lack spiritual wisdom. Lack ministerial character. Now, this is statistical. Meaning we didn't manipulate it. We just took the information and threw it and compiled it with deficits versus the uh, benefits or advantages. And the last one, which, which we don't say, but it happens, poor emotional intelligence. Usually unable to make sound judgments. But the biggest one that we don't think about, which is what we're struggling with today, based on the assessment, is that they can't tell the spirit of Christ from any other spirit. They lack spiritual purity. Now, you haven't taken my assessment. You probably don't know that I have several assessments and that they're online and you can take them around the clock. But I'm telling you, based on the, con the, the continuity of responses, those are the areas that we find the church is suffering with right now. And guess what? Those are the areas that brought us to our knees where we are today.
We how long? Do we all remember when we had the battle of the Bible? We don't know the Bible. We don't teach the Bible. When there are just things that happen on earth that just ain't in the Bible, you are errant. Because heaven cannot be drugged behind time when heaven created time. So you didn't find it. We can, well, I'll go with you on that one. You didn't find it or you can't make the correlations. But I'm telling you that God covered it. And this is with them having uh, all over the years hacking the Bible and redacting what the original text said and re, uh, reinterpreting or transliterating it to what they want to believe. I found them. I found them, and when I wrote the dictionary, 1,600 terms, and now I'm getting ready to write, but well, I don't even know how many more. So, you know, they might be listening. I don't want to scare my publishers because <laughs> I got a lot of terms, thousands. I have thousands of more terms, so we're going to release an anniversary version of the Prophet's Dictionary, and I found them. Now, why is that important? Because right now, if you didn't do anything but use my dictionary for your prophet's education class, you would be a lot further and we would not be having which conferences coast to coast. I don't think we would. If you added the handbook to it, oh my. You'd be raising up sound sage warriors for the Lord. Don't let us turn around and throw in assessing your prophetic self. You'd be able to critique and, and properly judge prophecy. These are tools that exist right now that would be very instrumental in rescuing not only the church, but its prophets. There's no way a pastor or a congregation can judge a prophet beyond scripture. And then they can only judge them externally. It takes a prophet and an apostle to judge a prophet or prophecy internally, intrinsically. We're going to have some fun. What are we going to have? Fun. So we're going to talk about my job because it is October. And I do know that prophets still work. See, they have to work hard because they got to do all that bloodletting and animal chopping and drinking and carrying on. They got to get drugged up and hallucinogenics and they got to be boozed up and carrying on. That's why we have pharmacia, which is sorcery. So all of that, they have to do all of that. And all we have to do is the name of Jesus. That's why when God says my yoke is easy and my burden is light, that's what he's talking about. I did the heavy, heavy lifting. I did the hard labor when I spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I did the suffering. I took the blows. So you don't have to. Now, if you just follow my prescription, work through my regimens, you can do you can yield the, the same results. Without the goriness of witchery because witchery is gory they don't want to tell you that go watch their show they're telling you they really are telling you that yeah you go online they tell you they're telling you they're going for the flesh because that's why god calls it a work of the flesh has no potency against the spirit it's a work of the flesh because once they get you off the planet as jesus said they can't do anything else to you it's out of their domain so they have to do gory they have to they have to let blood they have to keep saturating the dead earth with the dead blood of the dead animals and the dead creatures and maybe a piece of human or two i don't know 
but they can't because the currency of eternity is blood. Because the, the commodity of eternity is souls. Now, there's a correlation in there if you pay attention. So you should be enrolling in my classes, and some of y'all won't because, you know, y'all got it from the old school. I'm looking at, what is the church's answer? Let's go back to the good old days. They're holding meetings about the good old days, the good old days. Our predecessors, the former runners who did a wonderful job, but they're gone. And the era that they had to minister in is gone. And the angels and the ministering spirits that back that era have been replaced because God has released upgraded spiritual forces. So there is an Ill, it's illogical for you to chase the good old days. It's illogical for you to waste money on events for the good old days. Love Oral. I, I, he was one of the first things I read that God made sense. And his time is over and the angels that backed him are gone. So that is what God means when he calls something a dead work. He has, he has removed the, the spiritual agents, the living powers that backed it. Bless God for Brother Hagen. Gone. Look at Tulsa. This is not even his Tulsa. This is not even his America. So not only a lousy commander-in-chief would put the former aged, retired, and impotent into action for a current crisis that has deviated from what was the norm. God's a great commander-in-chief. So you all need to be looking for the replacements. And you need to be having a system where you can measure your replacements and make sure they are the ones. This whole move, let's go back to the good old days. I'm telling you, you're going to go back to an early grave because these, these forces are very serious. And I can say this because I've watched this over the years since 1985. The America we have today is not the America that we had in the 80s when we sang wonderful songs and, and it was really easy. And all you had to do was shout to the wind. Baby, you got to be skillful today. Because the wind is trying to figure out what power it's going to follow. So we're still here. We're going to go through it. And if you're interested in the class, because it's a closed class, I don't, don't write me for freebies. I'm not doing freebies because, you know, if it costs you nothing, it's going to motivate you to do less. Because low cost, no cost are demotivators because it's in us to spurn anything that doesn't hurt us, that doesn't stretch us. That's human nature. But if you're interested, then I want you to Inbox Apostle Ashley and tell her, um, put me on board, give me the information. And when I'm finished today, you're going to want to do that. Because right now, you've been all that you've been following brought us here. And if it's true that you shall know them by their fruits, if that's the truth, is that the truth? I just want to make sure, is that still in scripture? All right. If it's true that you should know them by their fruits, then take assessment of the state of the church, the state of the world, the state of the kingdom, the state of the ministry, the state of its leadership, and you tell me how effective it was. Most people, you know, and you, and you know what? You can tell Christians don't like truth because they get mad when you go there. We want to say we are the institution of truth in the planet, and when we start doing truth, y'all are mad. 
<laughs> well, I'm sorry. God is love. This is this warfare is not about love. God will lovingly take you to heaven, but he will not do this battle for you. You're going to have to rise up and you are gonna have to own your stuff. Yeah. We're going to have to own our stuff and own our predecessors mistakes that was passed on to us and not sit there and say, well, I'm just going to go back to the whatever. Typically, whoever's here and ready for this war has been working on this contrary to what was popular and prevailing 25, 30 years ago. I'm excited about where we're going today. I hope you will be with me. So we already know Prophetic Ed. One day we'll give you a whole presentation on the Prophetic Ed Agency when you come to class. Because see, one of the things I'm not doing is publicizing what God has given me for the people who mishandled it before to get it again. Because that is irresponsible on my part. But I am looking for prophets who feel you're called to the next the next thing God is doing, you're called to God's future. I've been saying God's future forever from August 2017. I kept talking about the heart reset and we would think about the heart reset in the world and whatever, but God said the heart reset in the church and the heart reset in his main officers in the church. There's a heart reset. Pastors are going to go back to being number four. And non mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, because we need you to be free to catch the flood and to nurture the flood and not trying to go global with your local congregation. Order is order. And you cannot go, you cannot go to battle with chaos and think you're going to defeat him. Chaos will call, call you an ally if you do. So this is our team readiness. Let's see what the next thing is. We've been on the journey of this prophecy clinic. You know, if you want God to win, you love what I say. If you want God to lose, you can't stand my voice. And I'm okay with either way you go. Because I tell you what. You 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 will fade out long before God goes down. See, there are people in the body of Christ who are solutionists and they're looking for solutions and they recognize reinvention and they recognize reformation as a false solution. When people are looking for a real solution and they'll know you're a solutionist when you can deal with how we got here, what has happened, how you know it, and then its effects and use that information to formulate countermeasures and contradictions. So here we go. If you look on your screen, what do we say? God starts everything with a prophet. That will be a word that you're going to hear said everywhere. No matter what. And you know why? Because it's truth and because it is the, the cornerstone of what God is going to do to recover his church, his kingdom, and his world. God starts everything with a prophet. So if you look at this, here it tells you the prophetic axis is prophet and prophecy, not prophecy on its own. Manifestation and embodiment. God starts everything with a prophet. That means no matter what your church says, some prophet prayed it in, some prophet said it under another title, 
because God starts everything with a prophet. So while we out there, they're out there trying to run to the mic, God is choosing people who will be part of his future team, his recovery team, his recuperation team. And then here, Omega rolls back to Alpha. Prophecy identifies, which means prophecy embodies and it goes from eternity. Prophecy, not psychism. Psychism is from this realm. That's why it comes, it's called psychism because psych equals soul. So by the time it gets into the soul realm, then they can pick it up. And they pick it up from the spirits that are in those souls. We don't. We are in the eternal archives of the Holy Ghost. So we are able to prophesy to you, if we are God, from Psalm 139, from Genesis 1, from John 1, from the predecessors in Scripture. And the reason we know we can do it is because humans can't change, devils can't change, God can't change. So all of the major characters in this drama can't change from generation to generation which is why the whole thing about God is biotic and it's genetic. Prophecy is genetic. That whole thing that you all running around with talking about what God can change anything, he cannot without killing a line and destroying futures. Because it's in the seed. So you can say, I'm just going to put Biden in and I'm going to let God heal him. If God was going to heal Biden, he would have healed him and he would have ran in the name of Jesus. Okay, see, he didn't run in the name of Jesus. He he hates Jesus. And the only reason I say it is by observation. The man hates Jesus, hates life, hates children, hates humanity, hates America. See, all of this, because the Bible said you should know them by their fruit and their works. Their works testify of them. Now, that's what, but see, if the prophets were in the word, they would have known that. And just because a prophecy happens doesn't mean that it happens for God's advantage. Most pro- false prophets talk God for another God, do God for another God, prophesy for the benefit and the advantage of another God. Now, I use him as an example because he's just, well, it's obvious. His regime is obvious. Scripture says your works will follow. So I'm running on Scripture's model, Scripture's standard, Scripture's benchmark. All the works that he has done have been detrimental. It has been destructive. It has been dehumanizing when you think of it. So if we're just going by, I'm I'm speaking for Jesus. So if we're going by that, he hates, he hates humanity. And whoever's pulling his strings has an agenda that is totally against Humanity. And if I were to speak from observation, I would say the objective is to annihilate humanity. So if we annihilate humanity, who's taking our place? See, prophets are supposed to know that because God tells us the end from the beginning. So we're talking about speaking to the mind of Christ and the thoughts of God. We're going to move on to let you know this whole clinic I'm setting this up because my goal my goal is to scripturalize the prophetic while I scientize it mechanize it and technologize it because that's what it is it's God's science 
It's God's mechanics, his machine, and it's his technology. So we have, or what I like to call, theotechnology. Now, I'm giving you words because this language is going to take hold because people are now ready for something else. So when you get up there and say the same old stuff over and over again, you better know. We talked about prophetology. You better know. Okay. Prophetology, prophetry, and prophetomics. When, I, when you're in my class, we're going to do that. Now, I'm not apologizing for any of the reasons that you won't be able to come. That is up to you and your God. I said to God, because he told me, I talked to him. He told me, because I put the manual together. This manual, you saw it. This manual is astounding. And it helps you br help people bring their prophecies to pass. I don't, I'm not going to bring you in the room charge you a whole bunch of money and activate zero to get zip. When you leave me, you're going to be able to do phenomenal things and face off with this here. All that we've done in the name of the prophetic. And where are we? Uh, which is coast to coast conference to come and saturate the people, to bewitch them, to to convert them and do the final stages of shutting down Jesus Christ. And we want to talk about what do we do? First of all, you're going to have to get to repentance and really mean it. You can, you can't go to God and say, sorry, Lord. Sorry, won't cut it. So we're going to talk about those things. So the question, I keep proposing this question to you because I think it's a question that should be considered and it is the foundation of what we're doing. So question, should the testifier, storyteller, reporter, or talebearer state of mind matter? Does it matter when you hear people talk about me? Should their state of mind, should their historical life, should their pathways, should their past fruit matter in their testimony about me or any of your leaders? Is it important to know whether or not they're on medication for schizophrenia? Should you know that? Is it important that you, that, that you should figure out if they're bipolar? What if they have personality disorder? Do you factor those in the conversations and in their testimonies or do you just walk away and say, aha, I knew something was wrong? And you treat their errant tidbit as a tasty trifle and a little soul snack. Should it matter? Because you didn't come back and ask me because I can tell you half of these people, I can tell you their mental state. Did you care? Or did you just want it to hear the evil? And can you tell if a person is bipolar? Can you tell if they're schizophrenic? Can you tell if they have per emotional disorders or personality disorder? Can you tell that? And do you care to know? Or do you just want to get swept away with their dysfunctions? See, I'm changing that. Because the prophets of old knew something. I believe it's Micah that said, you see a man that walks in a lying spirit it's because his soul is not upright or he's led by an evil spirit. Do you know what an evil spirit is? Do you know what an evil spirit looks like, sounds like, behaves like? Can you see it in people's eyes? I can. Can you, does it matter if they are 
right now intoxicated with their meds? <clears throat> Can you trust their perspectives? See, we don't ask those questions, and that's how we got here. But when you're in the secular world, they got a battery of tests to find out how credible you are as a testifier or as a communicator. How credible are you? Can I take your intel seriously? Do you care? No, you don't care, which is why it's all right for you to tear up this man's church. You're hacking his body to pieces with people who are dysfunctional, who are sick, who have several personalities. They've come through here. You don't ask about that. You take them in your churches and you listen to their lies and you suffer for five years before you realize, oh, goodness, I took poison in my house. Can a man take fire in his bosom? Okay. so you think about this because when you're what you're living is because you did you were indiscriminate you should have done your homework like we're learning to do and because you don't care you don't want well i don't want somebody else to tell me about you so you don't want to know can you imagine that the detective who's trying to investigate the crime committed on you is saying well i really don't want to get in people's business well, i really don't want to know too much well i really don't want to embarrass you well i don't want to make you feel uncomfortable are you kidding me they're like i'm doing my job it is my job to get to the bottom of things. It's my job to get to the motives. It's my job to get to the reward, the incentive. What incentive does a person have to malign the character of another? You realize that Satan won this thing through gossip, gossip shows. Do you remember all of the brandy new gossip shows we got 20, 25 years ago? And the more evil it was, the more popular it became. And they kept telling you about it. But see, when you sit in my class, I'm going to give you the inside scoop on that. Next question. Should the following be taken into consideration? Diluted testimony assessment. So there, this person is diluted. In other words, the prophet didn't say what they wanted. The preacher didn't speak it the way they could receive it. And you don't care about that. You don't realize that you are not receiving the truth, but you're receiving the, the deceptions of a broken spirit. Can you tell if somebody is moving in a broken spirit? an unjust spirit, an unrighteous spirit. Can you tell that? Because, see, even though they don't tell me, they're showing up on our assessments. So it's communicating, and they recognize it. It's speaking to them because they're choosing the responses that reveal it. Naive, inexperienced, or undisposed criticism. So are you ready to hear from somebody who's been in Christ 30 minutes tell you about someone who's been in Christ 30 years. No, you just, but that spirit that's hawking your life wants you to absorb those lies and deceptions so it can keep you wrapped up in error and unbelief. See, there is a spirit because God. People, everybody walks in the name of their God. Everybody walks. So you don't, you, they start naming your God, you think they're walking in, the, in your God. No, they're just walking and naming your God, like the divining damsel that Paul had to cast out. These men have come to show us the way of salvation. And Paul said they did that many days. See, this is discernment. We have a major discernment segment in this training. 
discernment. So Paul waited. And what did he do? He just waited and wait and sought God and realized God didn't send her. Well, he waited to make sure he wasn't ruining somebody who was to be heir of salvation. When he realized, first of all, God did not give the revelation to a divining damsel. He didn't even give the revelation to a damsel. Divining or otherwise. But she picked up enough of the lingo, enough of the jargon, the vocabulary, the nomenclature for it to sound like she was speaking for and by the spirit of Christ. But if you don't know the word, see, Paul knew those prophetic scriptures. And so if you don't know the word, anybody who uses the name of Jesus, you credit them with authentic Christianity. I can't even tell you how many times people say to me, yeah, well, you know, he's a Christian. I thought, yeah, he's a churchian. He's not a Christian. You don't see Christ in his eyes. You don't hear him in a voice because family know the family. And high leaders know where Jesus is because we can't afford to be tripped up. So we have to say that. Now, I may not say it to him. I don't really care one way or the other, but I act on what I know. I act on my divine intelligence my spiritual wisdom. And I'll come back and say to my folks, now, you know, so-and-so, okay, but we're going to run with this because this is what Jesus wants. And if I'm getting too close to being deluded, the Holy Ghost will reveal it. But see, you have to work with the Holy Ghost. See, you want to work with the Christ on the throne. You don't, you don't want to work with the streaming network that he has in the planet, in creation. See, the Holy Ghost is Christ streaming from the throne. Errant reports, misjudged motives, impulsive blurts. So you, you want that. And you want that because nobody taught you that you can defend yourself against it. This conversation is for you to defend yourself against it. We like to say in Ephesians 4.11 that it's for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry and all of that. We like to say that. And then when we, what we think equipment is just putting on a uniform. It's not arming you with the wisdom of the adversary. Right. So that you can make sound judgments so that you can compare and contrast and discern what is God and what is not. You've got to eat this word. Everywhere you read in scripture, it's about eating this thing. It's not about just reading it. It's about eating it. I have my little Bible thing playing around the clock on in our offices here. I go to offices of my staff. They're all playing their Bible thing around the clock. You know why? Because we have to absorb it to cellulate it. We have to become Jesus in action on the scene today. And then next question, how much weight should the mental state factor into divine communications? You have to ask yourself, how much weight do you want the mental mental state of your tale bearer, storyteller, preacher, doctriner, prophesier to matter in what you hear? Or do you, are you just excited to hear it? Especially if it's somebody you don't like. People, you know, the church have been, been programmed to not like strong women. So anything I say, you want to slam under Jezebel. And I want to tell you this about Sister Jezebel. Jezebel was not a rebellious wife. She was the queen of a nation. You don't hear them talk about her being a queen. Her name meant as much. Jezebel's the queen. She's Ahab's wife. So in the same way we got the king and queens here in this era, in the monarchies that still exist, that was her. 
So when she put a contract out on Elijah, it was a national contract. It was a sovereign contract from the throne. Those that work for Jezebel work for the queen of the land. Now, you can, and if you want to get all upset, you ever notice they call us Jezebel, but they don't call Ahab chump chump. Ahab was chump sponge. He was a little spongy chump. Just anything she wanted. But you don't want, you don't want to call him and what he is. So most of you all don't, you don't, mm -mm, we don't want a strong woman. We got Deborah. You got, and you got preachers still trying to say, well, it wasn't really that. No, Deborah was the head of the nation, head of state. She was the prime minister in our vernacular because it was still theocratic. But you don't want that. You would rather send your people down the primrose path to hell. I'm not saying all of you, some, I'll say some. Some would rather do that or cherry pick the, the words that come out of a strong woman's mouth. And, and I, I keep hitting that because if the day of the woman is here, even in the body of Christ, the day of the woman is here. And the, it, it, this is the day of all women. So when those women that you've been crushing and whatever, you may have gotten their mamas, but the daughters are not going that easily. You may have sat their mamas down, but these daughters are standing up. And they're building alliances that are going to make you have to come to them if it's for no more than credibility or funding. It's happening now. Because these young ones, I know the ones, my first generation, but my second generation, but it's just crazy. They were like, what? What do you mean we can't do that? Oh, well, we're doing it. So the tide has changed. And a prophet is supposed to tell you when the tide has changed, when the storm is over or when the storm is brewing. A prophet is supposed to tell you that. Isaiah 11, 1, 5. You want to understand the, the fundamentals of a prophet, just the core fundamentals? This is about Jesus Christ who came to the planet as a prophet. I'm going to keep saying that because you all need to stop crushing prophets like you're not crushing him. Because he came as the author, creator, and also the sovereign of the prophets. And he made himself an actual prophet to show us how to do it. it was, it's, it's remarkable how often we have heard people say, well, you really can't tell what a prophet's supposed to do. And yet you have books and books and books about Jesus Christ, who is a prophet. Jesus did not get upgraded to an apostle until the Gentile church was born. And then by his spirit, he was sent to the Gentile church. So Isaiah 11, 1 through 5, a shoot will come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch will bear fruit from his roots. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and prayer, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He won't judge by what his eyes see, nor decide disputes by what his ear hears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy and decide the equity for the earth's poor. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. See, that's prophet. 
and the wicked will be killed with the breath of his lips. See, prophet, word, speak. Righteousness will be the sash around his loins and faithfulness the belt around his waist. Whole armor of God, girdle of truth. This is the fundamental elements or features of those who occupy the office. When a prophet says to you, you ask him and they say, I don't know, go ask Jesus. That means they are just, they are just the worder. They're not the wisdom. I want to get these words in here. You need to understand how this works. Now, we can go forward and we can stay in Isaiah, uh, Hosea rather, Hosea 12. I want to say this is important. 12, starting at Hosea 12, 10. God started showing me this. This is beyond, um, this is beyond or before Amos 3, 7. And he said, I have also spoken by the prophets and I have multitude visions and used similitudes by the ministry of the prophet. That word ministry there is the word hand for yod for hand. So by the hand of the prophet, when Jesus came and said, but if I cast out devils by the finger of the Lord, that was a prophet thing. Because apostles were not yet born. They were being trained. Remember, he's teaching them now. And we go on and he tells you what, what they're facing. Verse 11, is there iniquity in Gilead? Surely they are vanity. They sacrifice bullocks in Gilgal. Yea, their altars are as heaps in the furrows of the fields. And Jacob fled into the country of Syria and Israel served for a wife. For a wife, he kept sheep. Now, the last piece I want you to get, 13. And by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. And by a prophet was he preserved. Now, I want you to know that word preserved includes being he was nationalized. He was nationized. God made that nation by a prophet. The same thing he did with Abel. By a prophet. That is why prophets are supposed to be real prophets are supposed to have a national stratum. Not everyone. Some are national, some are international, some are regional, local, etc. But the point is, it's not just to predict the future. And we made it, we brought it down to a predictive text, which makes it sound like it's, it's a music contest. My word versus your word. I, I was in a meeting in uh, New York City once uh, in my early days, because I don't do a lot of this now. But in my early days, I was in a meeting and I was part of the prophetic presbytery. And I sat there listening as one person, as they did one up, one up, one up, one up. If, if one promised you a car, somebody else is going to give you a late model car. And then someone else is going to give you an expensive car. And then someone is going to give you a great house so you can have a garage to put that car in. And then someone else is going to give you national um, uh, contacts or national reach so you can pay for this great house for you to put this car in. And it just kept going one up, one up, one up. So I watched one time I was sitting there and, and so many times when they asked me, I didn't have a word because I wasn't doing that. That wasn't what God told me. Mm -mm. I, I think I've always been slightly rebellious. You know, even now they scared to bring me in because they're like, nah, we, gonna, we might get real profit. We like our profit pals. And so we go. And I'm sitting there and they, they, they're ministering because the guy who is sponsoring it, it has his son there. And his son is sitting on the floor between his father's legs. He's about 23 years old 
with his thumb in his mouth. And I'm telling you, they're prophesying him going, prophesying him going to the nations, him slaying dragons, him building empires, and all of that. And I look over there, and I was, you know, I had already noticed it in the beginning, but as they're prophesying, God said, now look who they're giving those words to. So they asked me, do you have anything? No, I don't have anything. Not a thing. Not for that. Because I'm going to need God to get in there and fix that broken soul. I realize now we're talking about autism. Now, that's not to say that God doesn't have high-functioning autistic people, because he does. We call them savants. But that wasn't that at all. And I thought, so you all don't care. You just sling words like you sling hash on the wall. That taught me a very important lesson. Why could they, how is it they could do that? And nobody could dispute it because it was all about prediction. It wasn't about performance. They didn't care whether or not it could happen. They didn't care. As a matter of fact, they told you, I don't know how God's going to do this. When you are properly trained, you know the construction of God's word. You know how the Holy Spirit constructs things, how the Holy Spirit engages creation, how the Holy Spirit brings it around. You know that. And you know the words that make it so. So if you look at the heading up there, the case of the deformed or misinformed mind. Many of you all like listening to deformed minds, misinformed minds. And so and you and, and you celebrate it. You all go online, you download their stuff and whatever. And you know why you do it that way? Because you still have easy streetitis. I, I just think his yoke is easy, so they're easier. We don't do Dr. Price because she's hard. Yeah, I'm, I am, but you know what? I got fruit. And you know, it was hard for Jesus. They said he learned obedience by the things he suffered. He had to suffer to enter into his works. You don't suffer, you don't enter into your works. Now, we talked about this, but I want to go through it again just because I'm going someplace. How to think critically. Think, thought, talk, walk. As you think is how you talk. How you, as you talk, that's how you walk. And that's how you get through your life. So let's look at some of this. Okay, project knowledge. This is what, these are one of the standard things that I give my, my students so that they can think like God. See, I don't care that you got a PhD, the XYZ. I don't care what you have. You can have the whole constellation on a piece of paper. I'm telling you that if you if you don't think like the maker of that constellation, it will profit you nothing. Well, isn't that what astrology is? The zodiac. So, you, so you could be zodiac strong and still be creator wrong. Now, and I'll tell you about astrology since you all don't seem to understand. If you don't know your word, you don't understand what it is. Astrology is all, all of those. First of all, I thought when you looked at the stars that they looked like the pictures. So I was woefully disgusted when I realized that they were fleshed out by blind and, and misleading people. So the fleshed out forms of those co constellations they're not the same. The Big Dipper doesn't look like a dipper. If somebody, if you gave if people use it in a raw shot test, you're going to get five different words for it. It doesn't look like that. But they named them because, well, they were humanizing or, and earthizing everything. 
So so those those cars, they don't look like that. They are star, they just strings. Like if somebody took and, and draw stick figures, that's what they look like. Stick figures made of stars. Then humans fleshed them out because it's, they needed to know what was going to happen in the future. They felt like the stars are supposed to tell you because God said that's what they do. But when God talks about talking stars, he's talking about real beings. He's talking about real angels who are responsible for all that that constellation encompasses. So we got astrology. Well, surprise, surprise to me when I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost and found out that there was a earth that then there was a heaven that then was. And then there was a heaven before that heaven because Satan had a heaven. When we get there, his is gone. We does the earth. He hangs it and starts all over again. <clears throat> his is gone. <clears throat> the heavens are changed when God injects Israel into the creation scheme because Balaam sees a whole new constellation and then we go and jesus got the nerve to die take down principalities and powers those who were masquerading as a constellation takes them down and we get another earth another heaven so now which one is right and yet you got christians walking around talking about your sign is what 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 is your sign one of those periods that jesus took down and arrested you chasing a defeated foe and wearing it around your neck as if it can save your life. But see, if you don't have a prophet or an apostle who's educated enough to tell you what the problem is, because if you notice, every time God gives you the attributes of his ministers, he starts with wisdom. He doesn't start with witness. He starts with wisdom. Because wisdom is the principal thing, and wisdom is the first thing that God possessed before he made anything in his world, let alone this one. So you all can take your little astrology pieces and your little pagan paraphernalia, and you can toss it. Because I want you to understand that your paraphernalia can't tell Gabriel what to do. Your paraphernalia cannot push back on Michael, who kicked out Satan, who invented astrology. You see how dumb it is? But if you don't read your Bible and sit in quality teaching, you are duped all the time. When they come up to me, and you know I'm Dr. Paula Price, author of the prophets, and ask me my sign, I look at you like you stupid. I'm thinking you better go get the sign of the blood because you're in deep water. We went to wherever we went to, my daughter and I. Man has a whole ministry talking about he's a Christian preacher based on astrology and going to argue with me. And I said, let me tell you something. I was in that. I was deep in that. And I'm telling you that those spirits use your faith in their shenanigans and their maneuvers to impose upon you what will contradict God's word in your cellulation, in your physiological self. It's to overturn your genetic tree. So as long as you walk around and talking about, well, you know, my sign is this, my sign is that, you have, not only have you sold out and changed your gods, because see, those people there, they make the sign you born under your God. For whom you yield yourself to obey, that one becomes your God. So you're going to sit there and talk to me about Jesus and your, your God is your sign? No, get delivered. And, and throw, if you're wearing it today, throw it in the garbage before you go home and don't throw it in garbage at home. 
So now, you know it. You might want to go back and get it. Especially, you know, this thing cost me $3,000 and you got cheated. Because Jesus' salvation cost him, cost your salvation, cost him his blood, his life. You can't talk to a man about giving all. So know how to how to, okay? So how to view what, what, what I just said above, beyond as you proceed. Okay, so you have to, I'm telling you now, you have to think about what I just said and how to look at it, how to think through what you presently perceive the above string of statements to me. You're going to have to ask yourself, ideate their manifestations and effect and imagine how to put them to use. Most times you don't expect to put anything you hear in church to use. You, you want to put it in, that's all the putting you're going to do, put it in your journal. That's it. I put it in my journal. That's like the kid that makes the bed without taking all of the junk off of it. Well, I didn't make the bed, baby. You still, what are these lumps in your bed? See, some of y'all got lumps in your bed. Think about how you would frame the above as measurable and actionable objectives. How would you do that? Do you ever think that God has an objective for what he says and what he's doing? The reason you got these stupid prophecies is because they're goalless, objectiveless, outcomeless. They're, Im- they're immeasurable. You can unmeasurable rather. You can't even measure them because you have no reason for why God is saying it. Why is God talking to me? Why is he waking me up at three o'clock in the morning? How, and then find out how to sync your answers with a group and how it should be done. How to unfold what the above, uh, how unfold what the above plans and processes that turn your knowledge into know-how and how to. The reason we have Hagar, Hagar and Zechariah able to help them build the wall is because they learned how to know how and how to the knowledge of the prophetic words that were spoken. In other words, put it into action. Prophecy is supposed to produce a material product. Prophecy is supposed to produce a material product or a corresponding human action or event. Not just tell you what's on the calendar or what's on the the Lord's agenda. I just see the Lord is going to give you a car. That's great. And if you can't do anything more than that, I appreciate you for your announcement. But now I need to get the higher officer to tell me now how that car is going to happen. And then lastly, think about how you would build out what you see as part of a study program or or training's outcomes and takeaway. That's how how the masters think about the prophetic. That is why they can do their their coast to coast. We, We can't do a coast to coast because we're too busy trying to find another elite. We don't want, the, the old doesn't want to let go. You know, the, the church's old guard is kind of like um, Persia and Greece. It's going to take the angels of God to tell Persia, go home and go to sleep. And tell Greece, it's your day. Have at it. So we talked about this, but I want you to see specialist, master, expert. My question to you then is how do you distinguish a specialist, a a, a practitioner from a specialist, from a master, and from an expert? And can you? And do you want to? See, an expert prophet is the ones in Scripture. They are God's archetypes and prototypes. So 
The angels are the archetype. They're the ones that gave Moses the word. I know you think that there are no prophetic angels. Well, you know, there won't be any prophecies in heaven. Yeah, they will. Because we got these angels who still got to finish off what all God has to say. By the time we get to no more prophecy, the earth is no more. Time is no more. And we're living in a perpetual eternal day. In my book, Before the Garden, I talk about the angels who are prophets. If you read in the book of Hebrews, it says that Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses through angels. And angels prophesied. He was on that mountain with the spirit of God and a host of his executive angels. So we have to, you can't proper lie and think the angels are going to lie with you. See, they had an opportunity to lie. When Lucifer decided to show off and become the dragon, the, and cease being a cherub, become a serpent and a dragon, that's a whole other story. You can read that book and it will tell you how he did it. When he decided to do that, the angels didn't say, amen. Mm -mm. A third of them bought his lie. One third plus the army, plus the military forces that took Michael and his army on. Because you want to know why we have war on earth all the time? Because Satan was cast down to the earth. So if you don't want to deal with the devil within, then we're going to have war and without. But those angels that you think you can twist to your will, they are not going to do your bidding. They don't have to. They've lived longer than you. They've learned more than you. They have fought world wars you can't dream. And they're not cheating or defecting from God because of you, a little mortal. You know how we like to keep talking about, well, you know, I send my angels. You don't get the right to command angels until they're assigned to you. The angels are having meetings with God while you sleeping, drinking, driving, falling out, whatever. You having your family, they're sitting in God, they're with God. God has to assign angels to heed your voice. They may hear you, but he has to assign them to heed you. So I think I thought you'd like this one. God Hears with his, he hears with his ears and sees with his eyes and vice versa. Like God's ears immediately envision what you say, which is why sound turns to pictures. His ears immediately do that, and so do yours. I'm talking to you, and what is your brain doing? Sketching pictures. And once your brain sketches the picture, you then speak it out and it gets it, it joins up in the spiritual resources and elements of creation and it begins to create substance. It sketches substance. And from that point, we get matter. That's how prophecy works. So for you to give a false prophecy is for you to bypass all of that and or assign all of that to devils. Likewise, the reverse happened. God sees, so his eyes pick up, and his mind has to interpret or depict something for your voice to sound. 
I'm giving you reasons why false prophecy is a problem for God. So you can give a false prophecy, which we've seen, and all you're going to do is give tasks and assignments to his adversary, agents of darkness. So they want you to. As a matter of fact, they like to sling thoughts into your mind for you to say because you assume only God is speaking to your brain. And because you don't know this word and you don't know how God thinks or acts or behaves, you immediately assume that it's God and you call it prophecy instead of divination. Divination means it didn't come from eternity's archives. Divination means it came from a divining spirit. That woman, the divining damsel, that God is telling you there's a spirit attached to every diviner that is contrary to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Contrary, contradictory. So she wanted to, to, to rephrase the gospel. If you look at it, she was rephrasing the gospel and eliminating Jesus. Still today, rephrasing the gospel and eliminating Jesus. Well, you can get anybody can save you. Well, first of all, we need to talk about what we're saving and what are you saved from and what are you saved for? Half of you know you you got a question about your salvation because you don't know why God had to redeem you. You don't know why you weren't born belonging to him. And why he has to buy you back and adopt you into his family. You don't you don't know any of that. But a prophet is supposed to tell you since a prophet was the first one to get that information. So can you really find what an expert is? This is just experts, the building blocks of an expert. Talented, I'm going to hit certain words. Is that all right? So we have anticipative, adept, determined, and consultative. Prophets are counselors. They're consultants by nature. Their, com their consultancy communicates God's wisdom on human affairs. But your psychics are doing that for you now because you're too busy running to the mic. You don't have classes in communications. That's why you say things you can't explain. We have some good ones out there that are speaking to government and all of that, and they can tell you this nonsense that we do, but not me, because I, I don't do that. I will not class myself with that. But this nonsense is 100% tied to chaos, tied to error, heresy, mostly tied to switching the gods of this land. They're adept and adroit, which means they handle things in a very efficient and quick way. They're collaborative. Most prophets today, you will not succeed because you don't collaborate. Every, you're still running on that evangelical model of my ministry, my this, my that, me, myself, I, my. You don't collaborate. That is not how God did it. Nations, when they raised up national prophetic companies, they had to collaborate. You see that, as a matter of fact, you see the perverse of that when, when you look at, at Jeremiah and them telling the prophet, hey, you can go, you can win. 400 prophets are saying, you got this, go boy. And one prophet saying, you know, you're going to lose. You're not, not going to win. They're flexible. You would think the prophets are flexible, but you know why they have to be flexible? Because they have to be able to 
take on more than one maneuver. When this doesn't work, they have to be flexible and adaptable to keep moving this thing without changing the word, but, but forming it and shaping it so that the hearer will receive it. Clever, sagacious, handy, realistic, artistic, technical. Who? Prophecy? Technical? Huh? An expert will do that because they will te technologize God's word. And then we have skilled, wise, prudent, and innovative. Innovative. Think about Moses. He had to have a high level of innovation for God to trust the tabernacle, the Ten Commandments, his priesthood, military, and society to him. See, we keep talking about Moses and the Ten Commandments, and that's what we learn from Sunday school. Because Sunday school is going to tell you about Moses and the Ten Commandments, and Daniel, uh, uh, David and the lion, uh, and the Goliath, and Daniel and the lion's den. That's it. That's the sum of the main characters. And then we got Jesus, the little babe born in the manger, because there was no room for him at the end. <laughs> Experts are ta talented, scholastic knowledgeable accomplished authoritative in their field they're strategic and tactical overcoming their brilliant dexterous and adaptable competent and consummate professionals they are productive creative and well-versed they're masterful enduring resolute you know enduring is the one because you know folk with god when it gets hard y'all out and experts in other fields don't consider that they consider up in their game upping their knowledge and amping up their stamina only when it comes to God. And so you're, and you'll say, well, you know, he's got a family. Do you know all these people with these inventions that we have, many of them had families and their families understood and others assisted. Only in the church can you be exempt because you have a family. So that means we don't have experts. So you can be an expert parent you can be an expert father, mother, sister, aunt, uncle, daughter, but you cannot be an expert in God's service. And my Bible has not recorded rewards that you give for expert parenting. I've not seen it. Did you see? If you saw it, please show me. There is no, when you, when you, when you look at what God's rewarding, other than, the, you know, talking about the works that are following you, there are no reward for that. You will not be in the circle of heroes because you were good mom and dad to, to the detriment of God's purposes and agenda. You have good kids and he had to lose all that he put in you to redeem. So your family became your altar and your abdication, your sacrifice. There's nothing in scripture that backs this family first. That is a pagan, Asiatic, ancient philosophy, theology. And it was based on the fact that when family first, meaning you keep your family together, and it was based on the fact that dead relatives became the tutelary spirit, the spirits that watched over you. So your dad, dad your dead daddy, your dead mama, but they still do that today. That's Asiatic. Those Asiatic religions have all of that carnal death culture funerary stuff because they were born in, in an era where people couldn't explain death, couldn't explain natural phenomena. They couldn't explain anything. So they just came up with stuff. 
And so in order to, to have the invisible cooperate with them or comply with them, they came up with a lot of ritualistic things that helped that they did for offerings and all of that. They came up with that so they can placate angry spirits, hostile, self-serving spirits. Moving on, we have masters built in the expert is the master, built in the master is the specialist, built in the specialist is the practitioner. Most of our prophetic folk haven't hit practitioner level. Then they're solutional, genius and ingenious, proficient, experienced and seasoned, now, I thought you'd like all of these. Perceptively able, good, and capable. So if you want to say, I want to be an expert, you need to do this. And how many of you know it takes more than a decade? It takes more than a decade to be an expert. And it's a decade of working at it, not part-timing it. So a lot of you all are in ministry and you're still in your, your secular careers talking about you're an expert. You're an expert in your secular career. Because trust me, your ministry is going to suffer for your secularity. Because that's how you're trained. That's how you're groomed. So let's think of how this, how this looks. Why am I doing this? So you'll start thinking differently about your service and stop letting it be performance driven only. Performance is supposed to move up to practice, practice to specialty, specialty to master, master to expert. I have people tell me, well, you know, Paula, your job, your problem is that you're performance driven. Well, am I not performing? Performing. Thoroughly shape into that which is operable, functional, and achievable. So I'm supposed to be performance. I'm supposed to make sure that what I'm shaping is being brought into a form that you can recognize and do something with. But that's not it. They got that from somebody who did not like having to put everything into, into their ministry or into their calling. So you don't notice all of this stuff the church teaches is downgrade, downgraded this and downgraded that. It demeans, it downgrades, it diminishes and dismisses. It demeans, it downgrades, it what? Diminishes and dismisses. It de what? That's your church today. And you wonder why you hiding from the witches are coming. Oh. I looked at that flyer, not a piece of we doing this, we're doing that. We're going to hold a vigil. We're going to summon the prophets, have a crash car. Said we're, nothing. Just, ah, they're coming, they're coming. Give me a break already. They're walking around here and Tasha talking about we are so and so strong. I'm thinking, and we stronger than that because one could chase a thousand, two can put 10,000 to flight. So we got you beat in a single individual. But if we never change that individual's mind, if we never empower them and upgrade their sense of identity, they will never be effective. We're walking around. It's like somebody saying, you know what? We, 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 we got a million guns. And somebody else said, yeah, but you know, we, can, we left the bullets underground. Well, under what ground? We don't know, but they, we, somebody told us they're underground. No. 
so you can defend yourself if you can finish your weaponry. We look at one of the things, every office, every position, every act, I don't care what it is, it fits this thing. It's about problem solving. You have prophets that can't even cite the problem, can't articulate, articulate the problem. They cannot iterate what's going on. They can't do it. All they can tell you is their ministry. This is my ministry. This is what God called me to do. For whom and for what, where, how? And how am I supposed to be impressed? When, when they come into my class, so you all could be comfortable. When they come into my class, I do not allow, I don't want to hear your prophecies. You can write them down. We got we put them, write them down, give it to the chief. Give it to the apostles and we'll read it, maybe. Because right now, that's not why you're here. You're here to get better at, not to be affirmed at. And see, most of our trainings are affirmation classes. We're going to affirm your gift. We don't train it, we just affirm it. Y'all still with me? So let's look at some of the things that go with this. We need gauges. And if you look at that, the blue spells out the word what? Do you know that we can't acknowledge, let alone declare, our superiority? We are supposed to be superior. But what makes for superiority? These right here. You see all of these? Standards. The first thing that makes people able to say that you're good is because they have a standard to measure you by. Not because you, you draw a crowd, because I want you to know crime draws crowds. Okay. <laughs> Uniformity. A standard has to be declared such because there's uniformity. So whether, whether we are doing this in, in Asia, Africa, Australia, whether we're doing on the islands or doing it here in the States or North America, the identifiers are the same, despite the vessels being different. And then practices. You become a practitioner because you have practiced something so well, you become adept at it, you become effective at it, and you have fed into the formation of the uniformity and standards that characterize us as superior. And then we have executivity, your ability to carry it out. Most predictors can't carry out anything because they're not executives. They're not there to carry it out. They're there to shout it out, to blurt it out. And then we have regimen. Professional people have regimens. They do the same thing all the time as pertaining to ministering to their gift, strengthening themselves for their gift. They do the same thing. I've been doing the same thing for 40 years. I haven't done it the same way because I've grown and I've matured so that I come from, from just initiation to expertise and all of the steps in between. Institution. Offices do not belong to individuals. Your ministry gift, if it's private, then it doesn't belong to the individual. You are, it is deprived of an institution. So we don't, we don't have that. That's not how we do it. Is that all right to say? Not how we do it. 
I just want to say that. Operations. There is a technique to operations. Paul talks about operations all the time. How to work it out. First of all, work it through and then work it out. Resolution. That means that you have policies, you have practices, you have a, a platform that you're working through and you use that to resolve any difficulties, but also to fortify everything that, that comes ahead of it. Instruction. Most people fail at being instruction. They don't want to be instructed because you want to be instructed in the closet by the Holy Ghost. So that you can be your own teacher. You can be your own judge, your own assessor, your own encourager, your own approver. See, all of this that we taught you for yourself, that is not for the institution. It is for your personal experience. I said to someone recently, I don't believe that God uh, ever told anybody to go into the field where they weren't educated, except when he was tearing down the institution he's sending them to. They don't need the protocols. They don't need all of that because God's tearing it down. Otherwise, school, Samuel, organized the, so that the prophetic could be superior. David took office, organized all of the ministrants in his country. In his, yeah, well, it was his country. And then transference. Can you pass it on? And when you pass it on, can we get the same results for uniformity based on standard? We don't do that with the prophetic. People have a right to be disgusted with this institution. It's been a free-for-all. And they put tens of thousands of dollars into it just to hear from their God. And what they got is this, a nation on the brink and other nations dethroned. Because we made it all about you. It's just all about you. And so it's so much about you that you did nothing for anyone else. You had meetings where you had good worship and they felt good. How many of you know good feelings don't last? Because when, when, the, when the euphoria is gone, endurance has to step in. So we go from euphoria, oh, while I was in the meeting, it was so great. I just loved it. It was wonderful. To I'm home and the same hell I left is still there. Saying welcome, missed you. That's when endurance has to happen. That's when gut grit has to kick in. That is when you have to dig in your heels and know that that euphoria was that was literally was the the, uh, uh, the treatment for you to come back and use this and believe in it no matter what. When we teach our prophecy manifestation class, we talk about that. Your and your euphoria, and then lastly, yield. Yield is, has a, is a two-edged corn. Yield on one side is submit and surrender, and on the other side is handle and harvest. So yield is your two-sided coin. You, what are you going to yield? Are you going to yield the fruits of the standard? Are you going to yield to the leaders? You've been taught not to yield to leaders. You've been taught that your private experience with God is all you need. And so everybody, private experience is running them. So who is doing what? So you end up being a literally not only being a mass of mob a mob of expert personal experience and, and expression but you also end up being a mob of destroyers because everybody is snatching this man's mantle and doing what they want with it there's no uniformity and you can't uniform without unifying and you can't unify without uniforming 
You might say, well, yeah, no, because we're all unified. No, no, no. When you think about being the same, you think when you think about unity, you think about the same multiplying itself. The same way. Last one. You ready for the last one? Okay, she said no, so we won't do the last one. No, I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, well, we'll pick it up next week. How about that? Because you have enough to run on. Next week, we're going to take critical thinking. <laughs> we're going to take critical thinking to the next level. I thank you for listening to me. Now, here, I know that you all, because the church is fond of taking snippets and tidbits and running and building some sort of organization and institution out of it. I promise you it will not work because you don't have all of the other fill-ins around it. But you'll do it. Because that's how we've been trained. You'll hear me say that phrase over and over again. Because God's church, his people have been poorly trained. And this latest generation of spiritual ministrants and divine communicants are proof of that poor training. And here this man is scrapping for his church. And we have to prove that we're worthy of him putting himself through this again. Redoing doing this again, revving this up again. That is why I'm doing this. And I want, you know, I'm going to close on the question I said, does the mental state of the people you're using, the people you're choosing, and the people you're believing matter when it comes to the prophetic, when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to testimonies, tail-bearing, criticisms, and accusations? You have lived, we all have managed to live in an era where integrity means nothing. People can lie and stay in charge. They can fabricate and they can still rule. They can tell stories. They can crush truth and be rewarded. That started in the church. Hey, thank you for listening to me. You can sow a seed if you found this to be a blessing. You can sow a seed. If you're interested in being a part of my Prophecy Tech class, reach out to Apostle Ashley and tell her I'm interested. And don't ask me, well, is it free? It is not free. Let me just say, if you're going to text or email because you want it to be free, I want you to just save that effort. Because if it costs you nothing, it'll motivate you to do less. Free, free material. The church has had too much free stuff and it's motivated folk to do nothing but become distorted in their views, their opinions, and their responses. But if you think it's something that you want, you think, because this is about the specialist, the master, the expert, not just the practitioner. So you will. And this is a screened enrollment. So if you don't admit meet the criteria, we're going to refer you to something else because we need people who are going to, going to do something potent, powerful, purposeful, and correct with this information to become the prophet who got up off his throne in heaven, became flesh, to correct the record and to expand the record to our generation. It's a good thing to do. I encourage you to do it. Don't forget, tomorrow we have So Called Friday, and we're part two, part two of really? 
William, yes, we have part two of William. You don't want to admit it. I'm sure the advertisement is on the screen. And go back to what I'm saying. If this has been a blessing to you, if you found that I've been a blessing to you, some of you have sown and you've been sowing really big because you're like, I made big changes in your life and in your way of thinking or your spiritual conduct with God. If that's you, sow a seed. I have literally flushed you and just saturated you with magnificent spiritual information and intelligence for the prophetic stream and realm. So your response, your biblical response, should be to equate that with your material giving. So this, it's on the seat. Get the book. If you don't have the book before the garden, get that book so you can read about the angels who are prophets because we do have angels that are prophets. All right? And lastly... If you're in the Tulsa area, pop in. Come and see us. We're at the embassy home of the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands. Sunday school's 8 a.m., Sunday service, 10 a.m. You will love it. You will love it. You will love it. But until then, I think I've done my task today to get you to think differently so you can live powerfully. God bless you. See you next time. Dr. Price should be on television because her wisdom is universal. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you agree or you don't, there is wisdom and eternal truths in everything she says. She's intelligent and not just emotionally reactionary. And so she's going to, let's just say, have a rebuttal against something. She has done her homework. And so it's not just shooting off emotionally and this is just what I believe and just, you know, unbridled passion all over the place. She should be on television because the world needs her, not just the body of Christ. There are answers that she has taken the time, which a lot of people don't want to do, and paid the price and the sacrifice like people in scripture. And it's time for the world and the world is ready to hear that information. Oh, she's real. Dr. Price is real. That's the appeal. We just had a whole bunch of people in church on Sunday, and the overriding comment was, but she's just so honest, but it's just so truthful. And it's not just honesty to shock people and do whatever. She's honest about the Lord, honest about the word, honest about us sitting in the seats and herself also sitting in their seats. And, and that's, that's huge. You, you don't even realize you don't hear the truth a lot until you hear it. And you're like, that's it right there. <laughs> I want you to do me a favor. I want you to visit www.takingiton.com. Taking It On is not just about a television show. It is about getting around tables, having discussions, making connections, shaking hands, opening doors, and you might be the solution or the open door to what God has told Dr. Paula Price. And so as we continue to take it on, we want to take it on with you. Partner with us at www.takingiton.com.